0: World Government, the Bretton Woods System, International Monetary Fund, and World Bank consider banning cryptocurrencies, Israel's judicial overhaul, the ongoing Israel-Palestinian conflict, is it time to divide Jerusalem, and World War III, all prophetic and dominating today's headlines. We'll discuss these events on this edition of the End Time Show. You're listening to a replay of the End Time Show. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of the End Time Show. You guys know, if you followed us at all, that the Bible prophesies a world government will be in power at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's found in Revelation 13, verses 1 and 2. John saw a beast come up out of the sea, having a body of the leopard, Germany, the feet of the bear, Russia, the mouth of the lion, Great Britain, the ten horns of the ten horn kingdom, the European Union. All of these entities would be members of this end time world governing body. This federalization of nations and Satan would be the principal driver behind them. Wow, are we seeing the formulation of this world government right now. In all actuality, we're already way off into an already fully functioning world governing body. They just don't have the teeth, that, or the enforcement methods that they want, but on the heels of a world war, that will be the entrance ramp for the Antichrist, and we will move into a, a full-on world government. A totalitarian, dictatorial, world governing body. I don't want that to happen, but it's being established as we speak. The Bible prophesies it's going to happen, and the prophecies always come to pass. So on today's program, I'm going to talk about something, I don't know if I've ever talked about the Bretton Woods system on the program before. We may have alluded to it, but I don't know if you know what the Bretton Woods system was, this international uh, monetary regulation and different things. We're gonna talk about that a little bit today and world government, what's going on. So a few years ago, The uh, Insider published an article titled, Seven in Ten Brits Support the Idea of a World Government to Protect Humanity. Now, if they understood Bible prophecy, they wouldn't want anything to do with world government. But the problem is, most people don't even understand that there is a world government. They just see the government of the United States or the, the Parliament building in Brussels, Belgium, or wherever nation they are, they see that they have a government but they don't understand that there is a government that is working together with the governments of the world to run the world. In this article it stated that nearly 7 out of 10 people in the UK support the creation of a form of world government that would be able to force countries to deal with major risks facing the world such as climate change, uh, nuclear weapons, and this was according to a major new survey that they had. 62% they said considered themselves to be a global citizen in addition in addition to being British or already a participant in this world government establishment. 62% felt the world had become more insecure in the last couple years and 69% said that they would support the creation of a new supranational organization to make enforceable global decisions, not your government of elected officials, but unelected officials that would govern the planet about these major threats. The ComRes survey by the Global Challenges Foundation interviewed 8,100 people in eight different countries, Australia, Brazil, China, Germany, India, South Africa, the UK and the United States which are which collectively is home to half of the world's population and many of them said that they considered themselves global citizens along with their being a member or a citizen of their country. And so, hey, a lot of people support a world governing body. The Bible says that most of the world will bow down to the edicts of and pledge allegiance to this the Antichrist world government in the end time. So we're watching these things already happen. This is certainly a precursor to the end time world government prophesied by John 2,000 years ago on the Isle of Patmos. But to control a world government, you have to control their money in the end time let so let's talk about the end time global monetary policy you would have to control that you have to control the economic structure of the world in order to set up a one-world governmental system without controlling the money there's no way you could really control the people but if you can economically sanction people now they economically sanction let's say Iran and Russia and that's why they have tied their, um, their banks together, their banking systems. Iran and Russia have to get around the economic sanctions of the international community. But right now they are economically sanctioning nations. They want to eventually bring that down to an individual level. Well, they would be able to economically sanction me or you to get you to bow down to their edicts like they do a nation right now. And, of course, that's, again, that's another one besides the world government. That's part of the world government that would economically sanction individuals to get them to bow down to their edicts. Revelation 13, 16 through 18. He would would cause all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead. And without that mark, they would not be able to buy or sell. Economic sanctioning in the end time. John foretold this 2,000 years ago. So, when we talk about this economic sanctioning structure, anybody who wants a world government will have to control the economic structure of the world to set up a one world government. So, they created the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank at the Bretton Woods Conference back in 1944. And then the United Nations was born in 1945. So to help you understand what the Bretton Woods Agreement was, uh, Investopedia, you, you can go to a million resources that will tell you the Bretton Woods Agreement was negotiated in July of 1944 by delegates, delegates from 44 countries at the United Nations Monetary and Financial Conference that was held in uh, Bretton Woods, New Hampshire. And so because of that, you had the Bretton Woods Agreement. And here they are, the world government that's being established, they're setting up monetary policy so they can control that. And I'm gonna talk to you how that, how that is influencing you and I today, all these years later. It's not went away, it's not talked about very much, but they're still looking to control us, and we'll talk about it in detail on the other side of the break. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again. He can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself. You are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is, that's where our reward is.
1: End time is not going anywhere.
0: This world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com future or call 800-END-TIME. That's 800-363-8463. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the end of the age, television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end time prophecy. Call one 800 end or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. You're listening to a replay of The End Time Show. Welcome back, everybody. And I know many of you have expressed interest in going to Israel with us on May 17th through the 28th. We do have a few spots left, and I have to tell you that we ticket early. And my wife has told me that April 4th is the deadline for that. We'll have to turn in the names, and uh, purchase the tickets and everything, so there's not much time left to sign up. So I know a lot of you have expressed interest, you've been calling in, but now is the time to make the decisions, get a hold of Jana, get a hold of Brittany Moats, and make sure you get signed up for that because they'll have to ticket by April the 4th. And I know a lot of you are putting in vacations and different things, so wow, what a trip it is. We've got um, well over 60 signed up to go already. We've only got a few spots left, so we need to get uh, all the names in. And man, go over there with us and experience Israel. Go to our college. We'll go to the Temple Mount, the Mount of Olives, the Upper Room. We'll go to the tomb. We'll go to the uh, Plain of Megiddo, where the Battle of Armageddon is going to originate. We'll go through the Jordan Valley, the Dead Sea, the Masada. We'll do everything. All of the major sites. We've cut out all of the fat, so to speak and we just go to all of the pertinent sites, the, the, the uh, Kidron Valley where the Battle of Armageddon is going to culminate, it's a prophecy tour. And so it's, it will cram a lot of stuff in and you can take a vacation when you get home. Because man, we're going to sightsee and we're going to have a spiritual experience. So looking forward to the upcoming trip and May 17th to the 28th, get your name in quickly because April 4th is the deadline. Now. Under the Bretton Woods system, many of you have heard about that over the years. But what is the Bretton Woods? Well, under the Bretton Woods system, gold was the basis for the U.S. dollar. Remember, we were on the gold reserve. Remember, and uh, and, and and other currencies were pegged to the U.S. dollar's value. So the Bretton Woods system effectively came to an end in the early 70s when the when President Richard M. Nixon announced that the US would no longer exchange gold for US currency. he took us all off of the gold reserve system. So approximately 730 delegates representing 44 countries met in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire in July of 1944 with the principal goals of creating this, an efficient foreign exchange, preventing competitive devaluations of currencies and promoting international economic growth. So the Bretton Woods Agreement and the system were central to those goals. Regulating international, it was monetary regulation. So the Bretton Woods Agreement also created two important organizations. The International Monetary Fund, not the United States Monetary Fund, the International Monetary Fund this is to regulate the currencies of the planet the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank they're creating a world governments what they're doing so while the Brextonwood system Brexit Bretton Woods system was dissolved in the 70s both the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank have remained uh, strong pillars for the exchange of international currencies and they do not want anything to try to impede on their plans, right? They've got this big system set up. They don't want any kind of a currency just to come out of the blue, especially a cryptocurrency. They're not gonna allow that to continue, right? They're not gonna allow that to take hold. And that's one of the things I'm going to be going over with you today, because what the goal is world government but they've got to control the currencies. American Thinker published an article that I wanted to take, go through a few excerpts. The reality of a one world government and then I'll get off into the cryptocurrencies and the potential banning of those. American Thinker, they said that there are many who are, now I know what the prophecies say, and many of you do as well. We've talked about it for years, this prophesied one world government. American Thinker published an article, and that's a good good resource for you if you'd like to have some good uh, conservative uh, articles to read. The American Thinker. They said that there there are many who are working to replace America's constitutional republic with global global governance or trying to create a world government. A critical mass of the country's public servants, uh, well, I say that loosely, public servants, quote-unquote, but the corporate heads and these boards, um, academics, think tanks, religious leaders even, and financial influencers have intellectually accepted and promoted the loss of America as a sovereign nation, moving us away from the nation state into a system of global governance, world government. Joe Biden is one of the number one, well, I should say he's one of the number one mouthpieces right now because he's the President of the United States, but he's got a, a, a big bunch of people really telling him what to do from day to day. He's really a puppet. He's, he's just a voice. He's doing what he's told is what really is going on here. And from one of America's best-known families, you, many of you would recognize David Rockefeller. In his memoirs, I should say the late David Rockefeller, in his memoirs back in 2002, he said this, and I'm quoting. He said, some even believe that we are part of, that my family, the Rockefeller family, is part of a secret cabal working against the best interests of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists and of conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure on one world, if you will. He says this, and I'm quoting, if that's the charge, I stand guilty and I am proud of it. He believed in a world government. He was a one-worlder. He was a globalist. Joe Biden is the exact same thing. Perhaps if he ever passes and they put out a and he puts out a memoir, it may have the same thing in it cuz he's a one-worlder, folks. He's a globalist. Our president of the United States is a globalist. He believes in a one-world government. He's supported that for decades now. David Rockefeller also was speaking to the Trilateral Commission in 1991 and he said this and I'm quoting again we are grateful to the Washington Post, the New York Times, the Time Magazine and other great publications whose directors have attended our meetings and respected their promises of discretion. In other words we're gonna keep it quiet we're gonna go right along with the agenda and the false narratives And they've kept it quiet for, when it back in 2002, he said, for 40 years. So we're not at the beginning of this. We're at the culmination of it. He says, and I'm still quoting, it would have been impossible for us to develop our our plan for the world if we had been subject to the bright lights of publicity during those years. Or to somebody like the End Time show who would expose it all, right? (laughs) But he says... The work is now much more sophisticated and prepared to march towards a world government. This is, I'm telling you, a 2000 year old prophecy. It's coming to pass right before our very eyes. He says, the supernatural sovereignty of an intellectual elite and world bankers is surely preferable to the national autodetermination practiced in past centuries. It's a world government. So David Rockefeller, he pled guilty to this. And so the world, according to these people, should be governed by man, the intellectual elite, and specifically by man in the role of a world banker, because you've got to control the financial system of the world if you're going to have a world government. The enforcement mechanism would be debt that can never be repaid. Just in debt, everybody. And they'll never be able to repay it. I'm talking about America's debt is well over $30 trillion. And the United States Congress knows all about this. Everybody knows all about it. I'm talking about tens and tens of trillion dollars in debt. Service on this debt is astronomical and virtually unsustainable if interest rates rise. I mean, there's no way. All we're doing now is trying to pay the interest on this debt to these central bankers. That's who we owe the money to. You wonder, America owes all this debt. Who do we owe it to? The central bankers. The elite bankers of the world that are trying to create a world-governing body. The alternative to the elite really is God-centered governance. You say, well, that's not possible. I don't know. If we could put the Bible at the center of all this, it certainly would be. Not a man-centered government. That We're going to fail every time if it gets man-centered or humanistic, which is what the United Nations is. And we need to be in line with Judeo-Christian moral law. What do you set your morals? What do you align your moral law with if it's not the Bible? What else, what else is there? It's not the Quran or anything like that. The Bible is the only thing that is God's word that gives us a moral law to align our lives up with. It's just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago. And this is the model that the American Constitutional Republic represents, or I should say should represent. Because now when you get all these globalists in there, man, we certainly move off of that, don't we? Elite international banking has partially operated since... Uh, before World War II and especially since World War II, beyond the, the Bretton Woods systems through the auspices of many organizations and agencies of the United Nations. The United Nations is the seat of this world governing body. The UN also includes international courts and bureaucracies that would replace our own. The intellectual elite has devised a seemingly impenetrable web of structures with such elaborate interconnections including tax-exempt foundations and secret societies that no one can unravel the whole scheme. Now God can. There's not one secret that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden have ever told that God did not hear. God was right there in the room saying, uh, you guys, I'm, I'm sitting right here. Everything that happened with Burisma and Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and President Barack Obama and the Clintons and the Bushes and everybody that's tried to establish this world governing body from a United States perspective, God's been in on the, God's heard every discussion. That's why I trust trusting, have hope and faith and trust in God, not in government, because that's totally corrupt. Politics is Satan's method of ruling the world. The church is God's method of ruling the world. So don't put your hope and faith and trust in government. They will fail you every time. So there's this big, huge there's huge world-governing structure that's been created. The, the Bank for International Settlements, the, the Bank of Banks. Think about this. The World Bank, the World Conservation Bank. World Wilderness Land Inventory Trust, the, the International Monetary Fund, and I'll talk about that here in just a moment. Um, and the, the United Nations Man and Biosphere program, I mean there are hundreds and, and into this program here we've placed our most precious national parks and landmarks. Did you know that? And there's the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. Um, if you just think about... Um, a minimum global tax, if you will. Uh, Think about the World Economic Forum that works alongside the United Nations to push their sustainable development goals and all of that. And and they're they're operating as this big quasi-world government, whether Americans are prepared to concede the point or not. We've, We've been sucked up into it in many ways. Now, we do still have the Constitution, and we have people that are fighting to ward off some of this, the encroachment of socialism and world government in America, and I'm very thankful for those individuals. Governors like a a DeSantis and people that are trying to ward off this. And it's very, very important. I mean, now the the United States is kind of um, segregating into conservative red states and very liberal blue states. You can see it happening, read your news. So America's answer to uh, David Rockefeller is simple. The best for most Americans is embodied in the structure of our national rule of law. Positive law that includes state constitutions, our federal constitution, and statutes passed by legislative bodies as representatives of the American people. Of the people, by the people, for the people, right? That's what this whole American project is supposed to be all about, natural law that includes unalienable rights from God Almighty, unwritten law that represents our our cultures and, and courtesies, and a moral law, the highest law of our land, that tells us what is right and what is wrong as a reflection of divine tenets, or above all else, folks, the Bible. If you take the Bible out of the equation, America is lost and we will cease to exist. We've got to have the Bible as God's moral law and the basis of our constitutional system of Judeo-Christian principles, this republic that we support, this American project. You take God out of it and you take the Bible out of it and it's, I mean, there's nothing left. There really isn't. You're left to your own devices and you will fail every time. Our constitutional system needs to be preserved and protected and defended at all cost. So, world government, right? The Bretton Woods system. All of these things established back in the early, ni- or the I'm gonna say the early to mid 1900s. And we'll talk about how they want to try to maybe ban Bitcoin in the near future. Why would they want to do that? Well, we'll get deep off into that on the other side of the break Because it's looking to maybe bump up against their international military system. They don't want that The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world in his final work Revelation the unveiling of Jesus Christ part 2 the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools available for $299 will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call one 800 Time or go to Time. Hi, I'm Judy
1: Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry.
0: You're listening to a replay of The End Time Show. Now, I wanted you to understand the Internet, International Monetary Fund because before I go into this next segment. Because Bitcoin.com, you understand cryptocurrencies and what they are. It's a, a digital currency that you can invest in and different things. And, and they're starting to take hold. I remember when um, Elon Musk said that he was going to take Bitcoin for payment for Teslas. Well, imagine being that you're trying to create a world governing body and the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank and all of these entities that are designed to regulate that um, international monetary policy. Imagine them having a cryptocurrency that is decentralized, unable to regulate that coming alongside and then you have major corporations that say well hey we might start taking Bitcoin in a form of currency. Oh, can you imagine the um, steam coming out of the ears of the central banks and the International Monetary Fund and all these people trying to create a world governing body because, hey, if we're going to have a world government, you've got to control the currencies and the uh, economic um, status of the world. You've got You've got to control the monetary policy. So... Bitcoin.com just published an article and it says that the International Monetary Fund is calling for more crypto regulation and it says that banning crypto should be an option. Now all of you guys that are invested in Bitcoin and some of this cryptocurrency think about that. You say well that's not possible. Well the International Monetary Fund is very very powerful And I know that's what this central, I I talked about it for months now, about these central bank digital currencies that are trying to come on the scene and they're going to try to push crypto out of the way. Okay? Now, it may not happen this year or next, but I'm telling you, that's the drive right now. You've got Russia, you've got Japan, you've got many nations that are rolling out pilot programs of central bank digital currencies. They're all working under the direction of their central banks that are located in their countries to regulate monetary policy globally. The Bank for International Settlements is involved in all this. Listen at this. So the International Monetary Fund Managing Director Kristalina Georgieva says that crypto needs more regulation. She goes on to say we should not take off the table banning those assets if regulation fails or is too slow to implement. Do they have the power in United States citizens to ban cryptocurrency? It's a United Nations uh, international organization. Do they have the power to ban crypto here in the United States? We're the land of the free and the home of the brave. Don't mess with Texas, right? The International Monetary Fund's chief calls for more crypto regulation. The managing director Christina Georgieva talked about crypto regulation Saturday on the sidelines of the G20 meetings for finance ministers and central bank governors. That's very important. We have a central bank here in the United States, the Federal Reserve. It has nothing to do with our government. It's all a cabal of private bankers that was set up and signed into law by the um, Federal Reserve Act back in 1913. And they've controlled our economy ever since. A cabal of private bankers, not government. So when Joe Biden says, hey, we need, the government needs to issue a, you know, we need to protect you from these decentralized cryptocurrencies and issue our own central bank digital currency from the Fed, that's not government. That is Federal Reserve. Look at your money right now. It says a Federal Reserve Note. It does not say a United States Note. Or a United States Government Note. It says a Federal Reserve Note. Okay? You guys getting it? World Bank, International Monetary Fund, World Government 101. This is prophecy, folks. We're living in this. So, the leader of the International Monetary Fund, she said uh, on the sidelines of this G20 meeting for finance ministers and central bank governors under India's presidency in Bengaluru, she commented on crypto oversight. And she told reporters, there has to be more regulation. And her statement followed a roundtable discussion that she co-chaired with Indian uh, finance minister Nirmala Sitherman. The International Monetary Fund chief and India's finance minister agreed together that besides debt restructuring, regulating cryptocurrencies is a priority area for India. Now, it's not just going to stay in India, I promise you, because she's over international monetary policy, not just India. But Georgiva explained that the International Monetary Fund and the Financial Stability Board and the Bank for International Settlements. There it is. The Bank for International Settlements is the central bank of the central banks located in the developed nations on the planet. We have one. Israel has one. Russia. uh, The European nations. I mean, it's the, the central banks all over the world. The Bank for International Settlements is the hub. They're the ones giving direction. They give direction to our Federal Reserve. Okay. All of these are committed to establishing a foundation for the regulation of cryptocurrencies. They're decentralized unregulated now but the world government is not going to stand for that. And they say that they are not issued by governments or central banks and it's galling them. They don't have have control over it and it's driving them nuts. And they stated that we have to differentiate between central bank digital currencies, CBDCs that are backed by the state and stable coins, and crypto assets that are privately issued. She said there has to be very strong a very strong push for regulation. Now this is the International Monetary Fund chief that's saying this. And she says this, if regulation fails, if you're slow to do it, then we should not take off the table banning those assets. How would you like that everybody that's invested in Bitcoin? I have personal friends invested in Bitcoin. And but for the International Monetary Fund who are they to say that they can ban Bitcoin in the United States? But she says if it's not regulated then we might have to look at banning it. We can't take that off the table because they may create financial stability risks. So, hey, the International Monetary Fund, this world government, is trying to protect you as a United States citizen. Don't you feel better about that? That makes me feel good. This world government's trying to protect me, a United States citizen. I'm gonna sleep better tonight, aren't you? But the International Monetary Fund Executive Board provided guidance this week to help countries develop effective crypto policies, regulations, while most executive board directors agreed that strict bans on these cryptocurrencies are not the first best option, but that targeted restrictions could apply, and a few thought that outright bans should not be ruled out. Now, And it goes on. In addition, the board advised that crypto assets should not be granted official currency or legal tender status in order to safeguard monetary sovereignty and instability, Georgina said on Saturday. So that's the whole reason for central bank digital currencies, so that they can have more control over that international monetary policy. The Bank for International Settlements said that 90% of the central banks around the world are looking into pilot programs and ways to roll out nationally and across borders internationally central bank digital currencies because they would have absolute control over the international monetary policy. Imagine right now all of the different nations of the world have all of their different currencies. You've got the shekel in Israel. You've got the dollar in the United States. You've got the yuan in um, uh, the yen in in, uh, China and different places. I, I, I think it's the yen. But you've got all these different, the ruble, and just all over the planet, there's all these different currencies. They hate that. They want one global digital currency, that you would need to access through your own personal identification number, and they could control people. It would be economic sanctioning. They could control what goes into your account, what comes out of your account, and they're programmable. What you can spend them on. Uh, you know, uh, again, I made the the um, example of the uh, Joe Biden and them coming against gas stoves here in the United States. Well, imagine if they wanted to absolutely come down and just regulate that. No more gas stoves. Then they could make, if we were on the central, di- central bank digital currency platform, they could make it so that you could not buy a gas stove with your central bank digital currencies. Folks, read the, read the articles. There are hundreds of them. They're making these central bank digital currencies programmable. What if, let me give you a for instance, what if in the future You were part of a, you wanted to donate to an organization that was conservative. Let's say you wanted to to, um, donate to further the cause of end time ministries and all of the efforts that we do around the world to reach people and share the gospel. Imagine if you wanted to donate that, but yet we were on the central bank digital currency platform and the world government would say, no, 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 they're a conservative organization. They They don't comply with the edicts, so no, you can't donate to them. Uh, t- t- these are programmable. And so we do not want a central bank digital currency in America at all, any way, shape, or form. Don't want that. That they, You talk about economic sanctioning. W- uh, with the dollar bill and with a, a tangible money, that's freedom. I can, you can give me $100 and I can go spend it on whatever I want. And it's none of the government's business. But when you go digital... You start to create a digital footprint, and they can track you and control you, and it's a mess. And I know that sounds totally, um, you know, uh, d- totalitarian, and it is. But they would say, "No, we're doing it to protect you." You see what I'm saying? They're saying, "We need th- this." I just read from the International Monetary Fund. She said, "We need to protect people." We need to roll out our own form of a central bank digital currency and looking to look into regulating and possibly banning cryptocurrencies. Now, this is world government. This is world government 101 prophesied by John 2,000 years ago, everybody. I don't want to see it happen. I know world government's coming. I don't know if it will be fully rolled out here in the United States I believe we're going to be standing against the world government and with Israel all the way through the end time but they're try- they sure are trying to push it here and we want you guys to be in the know I don't want you to be caught unawares on some of this stuff and so we're going to talk about it and God wanted us to know about it it's in the Bible And so we're gonna spend time on it. So I'll get into the Israel Supreme Court situation on the way back, what's going on. It's all over the news. What's really going on with Israel's Supreme Court and the parades and different um, demonstrations they're having against that. We'll talk about it when we get back.
2: I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room.
0: You're listening to a replay of The End Time Show. Well, welcome back, everybody. And and I I know that these subjects can be weighty. They they really can. And I'm not doing it to scare you. That's not the goal of all of this. I'm telling you that we're close to the second coming of Jesus Christ. I've had so many people over the years tell me, nobody can understand all this stuff. Nobody knows when it's going to happen and things like that. Well then, what's all the prophecies in the Bible about the second coming for, if we can't know? You realize that Jesus said in Matthew 24, No man knows the day or the hour. No man knoweth. Well, they didn't 2,000 years ago. But God told Daniel, Close up and seal your book. It's for the people of the time of the end. We can understand. Jesus Himself, in the same chapter, Matthew 24, said, when you see the abomination of desolation occur, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, let him that hath understanding. Jesus said there would be people in the end time that would be able to understand these things. The apostles couldn't because they didn't understand the writings of Daniel. But we can understand these things. You say, are you giving a date? No, I'm not giving a date. But I'm telling you, I'll know the times and the seasons coming up to it. And that's where we're at right now. We're living there. So I'm not trying to do this to scare you, but if you, I'm doing it to prepare you to meet the Lord, to teach the gospel of the kingdom of God, and to say, if you're not ready to meet the Lord, if you haven't prepared yourself, then you probably, be, probably should start thinking about that very quickly. And, and we can help you with that. That's why we're here. You say, well, Dave, I don't know if I'm ready to meet the Lord or not. If, you're, if you don't know the answer to that, email me or Doug, drobbins at endtime.com. Email uh, dnorvell at endtime.com. Or the number one thing you could do is to go to endtime.com reborn. It's a brochure that we wrote back in the early 70s. My father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, wrote it. Be born again. Jesus told told Nicodemus, except a man's born again, he can't enter or see the kingdom of God. Be born again. Get your name written in the land's book of life so you can be prepared to meet the Lord. Okay, let's go off into this um, Israel Supreme Court situation. Now, I know Israel Hayom. You go to Jerusalem Post, go to Israel National News, every Israeli news source, which is where I get a lot of my news from, they're all talking about Israel's Supreme Court debate and so we really need to start with the facts, don't we? So what in the world is going on with all of these, not necessarily riots, but I mean all of these uh, protesters and everything out in the streets, why are they protesting what Netanyahu's coalition is trying to do? Well, for an unelected body, I think of us to this here in the United States, but for an unelected body, this is what's going on in Israel, an unelected body to wield power over an entire people, that's simply and utterly intolerable, right? Totally indefensible. Well, there are those in Israel that claim the reforms that Netanyahu and his coalition are trying to do will make the Israel Supreme Supreme Court march to the dictates of a tyrannical majority. But that argument is simply wrong. The current judicial reform proposes adding no seats to the court. Now remember what they were, some people were proposing here in the United States. We need to pack the court. What's happened here in the United States is kind of along the lines of what's happened over there or what they would like to happen. So in Israel, they it would not add any seats what some people were uh, saying it was going to do and that it would not enable Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to have even a single justice to the court right now. The proposal takes control of this this, uh, reform proposal, takes control over the appointments away from the private lawyers and sitting judges. So imagine if you're on the Supreme Court and you're ruling, and you can pretty much do whatever you want. Well, when you are going to... Propose, or you're going to um, appoint somebody else to be on the court, you're going to get somebody to think just like you do, right? Well, that's what's happening in Israel right now. and gives more power to the court, not not all but more to democratically elected officials. That's what um, Netanyahu's wanting to do. So can you imagine what the United States would look like if the leaders of the American Bar Association, such as let's or uh, let's say, the heads of the Wall Street law firms held two of the nine votes on appointments to the Supreme Court or if three more of those votes came from the court itself. So if you were in, if you um, knew that you could appoint somebody to the Supreme Court and that your vote would be very influential in doing that and that everything, all of the, the um, all of your decisions would filter down into people that were supporting you, man, you'd work hand in hand and they could control the court that way, right? Well, guess what? The left controls the court in Israel and that's what Netanyahu is trying to change. He's trying to get it back away from the left. It's the same thing we would have here if, let's say, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, uh, Adam Schiff and all those people, there were people just like that on our Supreme Court. Imagine what we would have here in America. It'd be horrible, wouldn't it? That's why Donald Trump came in and said, Well, I'm going to appoint judges that will rule the way Americans want them to rule. Right. Not by agendas, but by our laws. Now, that's what's supposed to be happening. But in Israel, that's not how it is. The left controls the Supreme Court there, or their, or their version of the Supreme Court. Well, Netanyahu came in and he said, we're going to change that. Well, the left, now, I, I, I didn't know this until right before I came in here. I read another article on this. But the left, so the left controls the court, but there are people that are protesting Netanyahu's efforts to take it from the left and give it back to the people where well, they would rule by the laws and the way they're supposed to rule. So I looked into this and I thought, man, what's really going on here? And I read an article, and I don't know if I'll have time to go through this whole entire article and, and, or to pull some of the excerpts out, but there is an article, if you want to read a killer article to know what's really going on, you can look at some of the different, but now this is what's. Look at what's going on in some of the Israeli papers that are kind of liberal and left-leaning. They're saying, well, Netanyahu, he's trying to take over the Supreme Court, and look at what he's doing in Lapid and all these different people that were in the previous government. They're coming against him because they were left-leaning, and but you now you really can see their true colors. They're coming against Netanyahu. Look at what he's trying to do. Actually, what he's doing. Is, should be done. But there is an article in the Gatestone Institute. You've got to read the entire article, The Gatestone Institute and International Policy Council. And the title of the article is is that I, th- I couldn't believe this. The Biden administration funds the anti-Netanyahu protest groups that are protesting, what Netanyahu is trying to do in Israel with the Supreme Court and to reform that into what it should look like so they have a leftist Supreme Court and the Biden administration is funding these demonstrations that are against that. Now think about that. Why would the Biden administration try to be funding demonstrations against that? Because Joe Biden is part of the left. And he wants to be able to work with a left in Israel. Now you see the big picture of what's going on with this all of this big uh, judicial reform in Israel. Listen at this. I'm just going to pull a few uh, excerpts because I won't have time. I didn't even have time to really... I I just read through it real quick, but it says, even while Israeli children were being murdered by terrorists... The only thing the media wanted to talk about was the leftist protest against the new Israeli government's democratic judicial reforms and the Biden administration has joined this campaign. Israel's new conservative government under Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has finally initiated the long overdue process of restoring democratic checks and balances by limiting the unlimited powers of Israel's Supreme Court. This is absolutely what should be happening. And the left has threatened everything up to civil war to protect its illegitimate powers while its angry protests have been spun as grassroots oppositions. What none of the news reports, editorials, public letters by prominent figures or statements by officials have revealed is that the Biden administration is funding the group behind the protests. As David Isaac in the Jewish News Syndicate reported, the first... Major rally against democratic judicial reform attended by leftist opposition politicians was organized by a group known as the Movement for Quality Government, MQG. And that receives, MQG receives annual funding from the U.S. State Department to purportedly conduct classes on democracy in Israel schools. The State Department is well aware of the MGQ this movement for quality government has a long history of waging a lawfare against the Israeli government because it worked its work has been cited in its human rights reports while state department funding was not programmed for to- protest money is fungible and the Biden administration knows its funding it is funding an anti Netanyahu group and so the Biden administration is funding this MGQ group who is protesting against Netanyahu trying to put checks and balances back on their Supreme Court because it's so leftist and the Biden administration is in on it because he wants to see a leftist Supreme Court over there. I'm telling you folks, politics is Satan's method of ruling the world. And man, I didn't have much time to get into it, but that's really what's going on over there in Israel and I want to give you, you know, more Israel updates to keep you updated on what's going on. But if you really want to know what's going on with the judicial overthrow over there, it's not really an overthrow. Netanyahu is simply trying to reform it and get it away from the leftist and back to the point where they will rule and have some checks and balances like they're supposed to have. And so that's really what's going on. I know everybody's interested in Israel, and I follow Israel all the time. And I, I want to make sure you're up to date on what's going on over there. There was also a meeting held um, Sunday to try to stem some of the violence that's been going on between Israel and the Palestinians. And Israelis, the United States, Egypt, uh, Jordanian, uh, the, the um, Jordanian president uh, went over there, king uh, went over there and they all met to have a meeting uh, to uh, as far as uh, maybe some type of a future peace agreement, but what they did Sunday did not result in a peace agreement that will start the final seven years. They're looking to something like that in the future. They're just looking to quell the violence that's been happening uh, and to maybe put off the settlements that would, increasing settlements and the building of settlements in the West Bank for a few months to try to stop some of the violence that's happening So there's a lot of things happening in Israel right now. Of course, there's the march toward Israel possibly invading and bombing Iran's nuclear uh, aspirations. A lot of things going on. There's precursors to world war, the peace agreement, world government, world religion, precursors to the mark of the beast. We're watching it all converge at the same time. And we want to keep you abreast of the situation and let you know, folks, we're just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. God bless you, and thanks for listening to The End Time Show.